what do I still need to work on? Lord, how, how have I done this year? How have I grown this year? So I just encourage you to, to do that, to think about that. Consider doing that exercise as we come to the end of this year, uh, just to take some time aside and pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, show me, open my eyes, open my heart, and Lord, how did I do this year? And the things that are important. Tonight, I thought it would be great to be able to hear from some of the different pastors on staff. Uh, the church is not a one-man show, but there's so many different men and women that work so hard behind the scenes. So I thought it would be great to have the different pastors uh, that are on staff come up and just share for 10 minutes each. So Chris will be coming up, and then uh, Joey, Adrian, and George, and then I'll be coming up to close. So Chris, you can come on up. And uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for tonight, God. We just pray, Lord. As uh, you have different vessels sharing with us tonight, Lord, we just pray that each of us would be just prepared and ready, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to hear a word from you, Lord. And God, we just pray for our friends and family members, Lord, those going through difficult seasons, God, continue to lift up Lester and Alejandra, the boys, Lord, just all the procedures, all the going back and forth, Lord, give the doctors wisdom and discernment, pray that you be healing our brother, Lord. And uh, God, we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. Speak to us tonight, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Good evening. <clears throat> I think part of the, uh, the task uh, that we were entrusted with to come and share is what's a verse that ministered the most to you in, uh, in this year that passed? And uh, I kind of knew what the answer was, but I kind of didn't want to say, so I'm like, maybe there's another verse that ministered to me a lot that... Um, but um, let's go to Acts chapter 26. And I, and I mentioned this a while ago, the last time I had the opportunity to share. Um, I hope that it's, it's understood that like whenever we go through passages of Scripture, that's because it goes through our hearts, you know. We, we, have, to, we have to test and try and experience those things in us. And uh, I remember um, many years ago when I was studying through the book of Numbers in chapter 11, uh, the Lord really ministered to me through uh, Moses. This was so many years ago, I don't remember how long it was, um, but I remember that I was going through challenges then, and I read, and read in Numbers chapter 11 where Moses went through a challenge, and he's crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, this is, this is too much. I, I can't handle this. This is more than, more than anybody can handle. Why? The people were complaining they wanted meat, you know, and, and he said, you're, you're making me hear their cries, but I'm powerless to do anything about it. They want more than we can give. And so he's, you know, he's kind of freaking out. And I think, you know, I, I love Moses so much. Um, and um, I think that one of the things that ministered to me so much as I was reading through it and I hadn't, hadn't noticed, even though I had read through that passage many times before, was I was thinking, if anybody would never freak out. I would expect it would be Moses. If anybody would never think that, you know, there's no way God can solve this problem, I would have thought it was Moses. But if you read through the chapter, at some point he says, right, God, you're going to solve this problem. And, and I realized that even for Moses, and if it's true for Moses, it's certainly going to be true for me because I'm nowhere near wherever Moses was at. I don't even understand whatever, you know, where he was at. But I, I realized that for all of us, the Lord will always take us to the end of our resources and to the end of our ability and to the end of our capacity. Um, and then he'll show us that he can take us further. And I think that a big part of that 
is because the Lord wants us to get used to working the, the works of the Lord. I'm, I'm a very measured person, and I try to think within the scope of my resources, and this is how much I can afford to do and how much I can afford to give, and I don't want to go a little crazy. But when it comes to the Lord, um, the work that God wants to do is not just something that can be done within the limited scope of human resource. You know, maybe you've forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. God wants to help you forgive in a way that only you can forgive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've served and loved and given and given. God wants to help you give more. And because what God wants to do is immeasurably above whatever we're able to do. And he just wants to use us as, as instruments of his work. We're not supposed to produce the work. And I get into that that kind of routine I'm producing I'm trying I gotta do this on my own and I gotta figure this out and I forget that we're just supposed to be distributors of God's love and distributors of God's grace and uh, whenever we get off track we find ourselves in the same place as Moses saying what do you mean by letting these people weep and break my heart and I don't know what to do and and we get frustrated and stressed out but this year so when that happened I was going through something I'm going to tell you honestly, I don't remember what I was going through when I first read that in Numbers chapter 11. But this year, I was going through a different challenge, trial, uh, chastisement, discipline, whatever you want to call it from the Lord, right? And I was going through it. I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me until I was driving and I was listening to a teaching because I want to try to surround myself with the Bible. So you know, in the morning, I read the Bible with my family, and I try to read the Bible with the church, you know, and then I try to listen to teachings. And that's something all of us could do. And uh, as I was driving, listening to a teaching, um, I heard a teaching on Acts chapter 26, and it seems like um, one of those verses you read, and then you pass right by and, and don't stop to think about it. But it's verse, it's not 26, that's the problem, it's 27. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. And Luke wrote that. And he, when he says we, he's also referring to Paul. And so Paul sometimes got to a place where he would think all hope is lost. There's no more resources. I can't do Did God... I, I, I had visions from the Lord. I had promise from the Lord. And now what are we going to do? And God can allow the, all of us. I, I believe he does allow us to get there. Because when we get there, then we really turn to him. Then we really pray. We really cry out and say, God, I need you to do something. I'm at a place right now where unless you do something, this is not going to happen. And, 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 and we can go through seasons of life where we go through those trials. And I'm not in the middle of that trial right now. But I went through a trial like that this year. And now I'm coming to a place where it's like moving past that, going into another thing. And, and as I had the privilege of thinking about this, which I wouldn't have been thinking about, you know, had I not been given the opportunity to share, uh, what ministers to me is that there's going to come a time where I'm not going to remember this trial. But I will remember this verse, this verse that I never would have stopped to think twice about. But I'll remember, man, I remember there was this one time I was hit so hard by this teaching that all hope 
that we would be saved was finally given, uh, given up. And yet Paul, God brought Paul through that. God sent an angel. God delivered him. And I, and I wonder for, for each and every one of us, right, no matter what your year looked like, if, if you look at the, the scale of things and you put just the weight of your challenges and troubles and trials or sufferings or chastisements or whatever you're going through, and on the other side of that, if you put the, the work that God desires to do in your life, the exceedingly immeasurably great eternal weight of the glory that the struggles is supposed to produce in you, it makes the suffering or the difficulty or the hardship seem insignificant. It's not even worth counting. And so it, it, it's a work that the Lord did in me and my, 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 my encouragement, my exhortation in sharing with you guys is I pray that we are in prayer, that we evaluate the reality of our life through prayer, our challenges, the, the real challenges. Do you go to the God who hears you, who loves you, and he, he, you can cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you to do a work. I, I don't know what to do. This is beyond my capacity. And he hears and he will answer. But if we go through those trials and we don't cry out to him and we just keep dipping into our own resources or our own ability, we'll never see the supernatural intervention of the Lord. And, and we need to be at a place where, the presence, where, in the, where we're in the presence of the Lord. And then the other and final exhortation would be, that we would spend enough time in the word. I mean, it's, it's easy if, I, I hope all of us have kind of gotten into that practice of reading through the Bible and, and we can continue doing so. Those cards are on the, on the website. You can look up you know, what the reading plan is for that day and go through it. But if you surround yourself with the word, there might be times when you think, oh, I'm reading through this chapter and I don't know why I'm reading through the first 16 chapters of First Chronicles and it's all genealogies and, you know, well, Leviticus, what am I going to get out of Leviticus? But you never know how or when the Holy Spirit will bring something back exactly when you need it, and it'll save your life. And so that's the blessing and the privilege of filling yourself with the truth of God's word, is that God brings those things back when you least know it, when you least expect it. And, 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 and it's like a lifesaver that kind of you, you grab onto and say, that's what I needed. I didn't even know I needed a lifesaver. So that's the word that the Lord had put on my heart to share with you that God ministered to me this, this year. I, I don't know who's next, but I'm sure they'll come up. They're there. <laughs>
And because we read through this quickly often, we read, being tempted 40 days by the devil, and, and, and again, you don't have to go overanalyze the scripture. You see it through the Bible, but it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted, and it just so happened that he was tempted in the wilderness. And, and yes, there was a purpose to that, and, and yes, Jesus responded with the word of God, but, but the point I'm making and the, the reason this passage uh, ministered to me is it gives clarity in Luke chapter 5 and the Bible says what I wanted to sort of park on Luke chapter 5 verse 16 it says so he Jesus he himself often withdrew to the into the wilderness and prayed and and that wilderness is the same wilderness in, in Luke chapter 4 it's eremos in the Greek and it means a solitary place, a lonely place, a desert, um, wilderness. And, um, and how often Jesus withdrew, went to the wilderness. Uh, New International Version, NIV of Luke 5.16, it says he often withdrew to a lonely place. And um, that, that's, that's really what stuck out to me throughout the year. You know, I, I thought of one instance where... Um, we were on the, right on the cusp of adopting our son. I mean, it was days away. And uh, everything was going smooth, the paperwork, everything. And, uh, you know, it's a long story, but the point is um, it, things had to happen in just a certain way, right? This, we finished that appointment, we did this paperwork, then this hearing, then this thing, and that, that would seal the deal. And then there was a curveball. And they had to do a visit and thing, and and I was freaking out, like hyperventilating, freaking out. And uh, and uh, what are you gonna do? And uh, and and I had like broken something, and our other two kids are running in circles and whatever. And uh, I'm exaggerating, most likely. And the point is, my wife, she goes, uh, I I wasn't gonna share the details, but here we go. She goes, uh, she goes, oh, you know, let's pray. I go, I prayed already. She goes, you didn't pray with me. And I go, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so we prayed. And it just reminded me, that story came to my mind and heart, you know, that what I needed at that moment wasn't to work really hard to figure something out or to scheme my way through this. It was to withdraw, to step back and, and, and lean in and press into the Lord. And that's what we needed to do. And so we prayed, and, and in prayer, God just gave us a, an idea, and, and we texted the social worker, and it all worked out fine. Um, but I was just led, led to that and, and thought of that. And, and for Jesus, when you read throughout the Gospels, um, I forgot to start a timer. When you read throughout the Gospels, um, he does this often, right? We just read in Luke chapter 5. And it seems to be a place of strength. For the Lord. It seems to be where he went right before things got heavy, right before things were going to be really tough, right before uh, things were going to be intense, he withdrew, right? Uh, even there in Luke 5, um, uh, it, it was right uh, after cleansing someone, but there's another passage where he went to the wilderness to pray. The multitudes found him there, and it said they tried to keep him there, right? They didn't want to let him go. They were just you know, um, what's the word? They were just uh, just boxing him in, you know? 
And, uh, and, and he knew that was coming, right? And so he says, let me go a little ahead of time because I know there's going to be a mob of people and they're going to try to take hold of me and make me their king. And, and so he, um, he, he went there a little early uh, to the wilderness, to the Eremos. And, you know, again, yes, in, in other contexts in Scripture, right, the wilderness, right, we're going through the Old Testament and the Israelites, but for Jesus, it seemed that the wilderness, the Eremos, the lonely place, the quiet place, the place of solitude was a place of strength. And, you know, um, sort of uh, making it applicable or, or um, sharing with you and, 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 and maybe you've gone through this as well, you know, I, I realized, man, the Lord brought me back to that passage a lot, brought me back to that thought a lot throughout the year, different podcasts and teachings and stuff, and, oh, getting alone with Jesus and abiding in Christ, and I would share with my friends, and, oh, it's so awesome, and there's this really great way this, this pastor phrased it, and this other podcaster, and, oh, man, so sweet, I'm so blessed, and I didn't really do much with it, <laughs> and then, you know, if you're like me, you, you know, you want to just despair, and, oh, I, you know, forget it, I'm never going to get this thing right, um, but to get up and try again. You know, to get up and try again and, and uh, even looking forward to, to the new year. And, and there's different seasons, you know, and I think that, um, for example, in the season that I'm in with, with my, the, my kids, the age that they are and the different responsibilities and stuff, I, I think that God is really teaching me to, to press into him, to, to keep at it, you know. And, uh, you know, you think you have a routine set up and then they forget how to sleep you know, or whatever. Now they wake up at 4.30 instead of whatever. And, uh, and you have to say, okay, Lord, let's go. You know, we're going to do this again. And, and even for me, you know, I can get stuck in my ways. And it says he withdrew often. You know, I know for me, for example, getting very practical, you know, I like getting up early, having my devotionals, you know, before people wake up. But throughout the year, I realized, you know, I need to get away in the afternoon. I need to just get away, you know, hey, the kids are taking a nap. Oh, I'm going to put my feet up on the couch. No, you know what? I need, I need more Bible. You know, I need to get away and have more time in the Word. Or, or at night, you know, do something different than my routine and, and just read the Bible instead of watch that show or read that book or do this other chore or errand or project. And, you know, I realize I'm kind of a needy guy spiritually, you know. And, uh, and so that is, is the passage and the verse. And, and it, it comes up so often, the Aramos, the wilderness, uh, where the Lord was really speaking to me and bringing me back to that throughout the year. And it even goes years past. You know, I was looking through my Bible at other scriptures that, that were really important to me, kind of like a verse for the year kind of thing. And uh, in 2021, it was Psalm 1, you know, abiding by the water, roots planted deeply, all oh, this beautiful picture and all that I expected, you know, myself to look like. And no, not really, you know, but hey, Lord, let's, let's do it again, you know, uh, abiding in the Lord and uh, withdrawing to spend time with him. And, and you know, another thought on this, um, you know, we've heard that, that quote or that story, right? These, you forget. You just kind of say whatever old dead guy. And they would pray eight hours if they had four hours of work or whatever it was. You know, I think it keeps getting longer and longer. They prayed 27 hours before they started their date. Wait a second. Um, and, and I realized, and somebody even shared a quote with me today that illustrated the same point uh, that, you know, stress and, and anxiety comes from not doing what we're supposed to do. You know, I'm paraphrasing the quote. And so if I know I'm supposed to just sit with the Lord, um, that will affect the day. That will accomplish more than me trying to figure it out. And for me, last, last thought on this, for me, getting away to the wilderness, it, it 
it kind of takes me time to settle in. Does that make sense? Anybody else? No? Okay, a couple heads nodded. So I get there and I sit down and everything I wasn't thinking about is front and center. And I am just flooded with thoughts and preoccupied. And so I do different things. I'll journal in my notebook, just get it on paper, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm worried about this. And, you know, I'll do like a star for this thing and like a square, and like I have to do this. And then, and then I'm like, okay, that page is messed up. But that's stressful looking at that. And, and it takes me time to settle in. But if, if I give it enough time and if I do it consistently, withdraw, actually withdraw, then I start to settle down and settle in and really experience abiding with Christ and sitting with Christ uh, there in his word. So Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 5, the wilderness uh, was one of the passages that I kept coming back to throughout the year. And I hope some of uh, my failures and weaknesses and struggles will, will bless you and help you in, in uh, going forward in this next year. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for your word. And as the, just the next brother and pastor comes up, uh, we, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Definitely the most permanent scripture, having to think of the most. I, I don't like choosing sometimes, so the most, it's like I have to make a choice on one. Psalm 115 is the one that has uh, stood out the most to me this year. It's going to be like a, like a shotgun of stuff, so you ready? Here we go. Little pellets, they might fall depending on where you are, different places, and but maybe something will get you something. All of them got me, so. All right. So Psalm 115, it starts off, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. So first thing was that, man, it's not about me. It's not about you. Um, so what should that lead me to? Stop complaining. Stop whining. Because it's not about you, so stop it. Uh, keep the focus being on the Lord. And if you don't know what to do, start giving God the glory. That's what it says there. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, uh, it's not because of you, your awesomeness, because you're not that awesome, because you have nothing without him. It's his mercy that you even are able to be here. And so if you need some truth, man, it's his mercy. It's his truth. It's not your truth. You're dependent on God. So the dependency we have on God um, that, you know, if you think you're going to mess this up, you're not, because God is bigger than that. Why do the Gentiles say, or why do the nations say, where is your God? And I think there of, man, does my life look, if people look at my life, am I living in such a way that those around me are going to be led to ask, where's your God? Or are people going to say, oh, I see your God by the way I'm living? Uh, so where's your God? Now, the answer to that is, is, is good, right? It says, our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. So again, it's about the Lord. It's not about us. Um, are we demonstrating it? He is in heaven. He's above all. It's his will be done. So it's not about you. You give him the glory. It's his work. It's now your work. And this is what happens when that's not right. <laughs> 
If your focus is off on the Lord, you're going to end up here. It says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. Whatever it is that your hands accomplish every day, that's going to be your God. It said they have mouths, but they don't speak, eyes and they don't see, ears they don't hear, noses that don't smell. Uh, It says hands that don't work, feet that don't walk. All the stuff that's supposed to look like it has a purpose, it will leave you with nothing. It says not even their throat can mutter or sound. And it says, those who make them are like them. And you go, oh, oh, good, I don't make all that stuff. I'm just, but it says also everyone who trusts in them. And again, that's where our focus is such a big deal. Um, And then this next part, it tells you what to do instead, right? So if you have these gods that are really the world, it's, it's the stuff of the world that has become your idol, all the stuff your hand can accomplish, you haven't realized that it's because of God's mercy, because of God's truth, and you're not trusting in him. Verse 9 through 11, it says, um, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And so it's our trust. And again, the idea of dependency. Like, can you do what you do because you're that great or is there a trust in the Lord? Um, and I know, I, I love to work hard. It, it's, it is, you know, if you give me time, I will want to work. I have to be forced to stop working. Sometimes I get text messages during my vacation, like, hey, you're on vacation, stop working. And I'm like, leave me alone, I want to work on my vacation. It's what I do for fun. But if I can do all this stuff without trusting the Lord, Man, that's a bad place, right? That's a bad place. So do I trust the Lord? And he'll give you the challenges so you could trust him. Like he'll give you enough so that you could pass it, but that you're going to have to trust him. And then because he's what? He's in the next verse. It says he's mindful of you and he will bless you. He will bless the house of Israel, bless the house of Aaron, bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. And I like that word small and great. It's, it means young or insignificant. So if you think, man, I'm I'm nothing, but God is thinking about you, and he wants to bless you. And if you think you're great, larger, older, distinguished, better than the other guy, it says, man, but he wants to bless you. And And there the focus, again, is it, do you have it backwards? Is it he, that's your focus, he will bless you, or is it the you part that you still want? No, but where's my blessing? No, 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 that's not the part you look at. I want him. And when you get him... That's the blessing. That's all you have. That's all you need. May you be blessed, it says, by the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's a big accomplishment, right? Made heaven and earth is, is it's a big deal. That's the God who wants to bless us. It says the heavens are his and the earth he's given to us, basically is what it says there. It says the heaven, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. And so we're put on this earth to work, to do stuff. He's given it to you. And then if what you're doing is not talking about and showing his glory, like I said in verse 1, it tells you, that's, this is verse 17, it says, The dead don't praise the Lord, nor those who go down into silence. When you're dead and not on this earth anymore, you're done. Like if you're not in heaven, there are no more words for you. You got all the chance to speak and all the chance to say all the dumb things that you wanted to say without God. But now the only way that you're going to be able to talk about a bunch of stuff here on earth and then you die one day and you're going to keep talking about that stuff is when you give God the glory. And so 
that's, man, that's where, that's where the aim should be. If you're giving God the glory now, you're going to one day wake up and realize you're not where you went to sleep. You're, on, you're in heaven now, but hopefully you're doing the same thing you were doing when you, man, God, I'm giving you the glory, right? And then it says he will bless you. So those, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor those who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It sounds like the beginning of like a chant, like we're going to, and then like everybody gets up and they start, you know, like they huddle like in the football huddles. And they, oh, actually I was playing a FIFA with my son. He got a, a video game and the crowd goes crazy. I don't know. Maybe I don't see soccer enough, but it's like dangerously crazy. Like they are like triple stacked on each other, jumping off the bleachers and stuff. But that's kind of like how that ends for me. Like the idea there of like, man, the dead, they're not going to praise the Lord. That's our job. We're to do that. And then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to. And we all gather together and there's like three of us stacked on each other to praise the Lord. Like that's how we should be living our life. The last part there says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, and, and it does say, bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You don't wait till you're dead to then start giving glory to the Lord. It, it starts right now, right now. Um, so that's the chapter, the verses that stood out to me the most this year, and especially that verse 1. That I, I tried memorizing this chapter. Um, it, most of the days I, I can memorize it some days. I got to go back to it, but not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. So that's the chapter. That's it. Hey, family, you can turn with me to First Timothy chapter four. And in First Timothy chapter four, this is a, a portion of scripture that the Lord um, shared with me actually in 2021, uh, but here in 2022, I was able to put it into practice. And um, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16 so that we can get a little context. But that verse is actually verse 15. Um, so hopefully you're there in First Timothy chapter 4. And what it says in verse 12 is that let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Verse 13 says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So 2022 um, has been an amazing year for me. Uh, it's my first year of full-time ministry. So I've been uh, uh, the youth pastor here at Calvary Miami uh, for, I believe it's going to be a little uh, over six years now, um, if I have my time right. The youth are... The youth are shaking their heads, all right, so that's, that's right, you know, time sometimes you, you lose track of it, but um, man, the Lord called me to full-time ministry this year, and uh, in, in January, I started 
uh, here on staff with Lighthouse Ministry, the school that, that we have here at Calvary Chapel, Miami, and also continuing in uh, the youth group on Friday nights. And the verse that the Lord used and would oftentimes bring me back to this year was verse 15. Um, verse 15 says, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. And, you know, there's, there's a lot there. What are we meditating on? And in order to do that, you know, I'd like to, to get some context. I'd like to look at those first couple of verses there. In verse 12, it says, um, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word. I love that word youth because it truly is relative, right? I, I just turned 30 this week, and I like to consider myself youthful, right? But maybe when I was 15 years old, I didn't think that 30 was so youthful, and I thought it was so far away. You ask the, the, the youth uh, members, the, those that attend on Friday nights, and they think I'm an old man. I got white, white hairs in my beard now, right? And they give me a hard time about it. But we see here that, that Timothy was probably right around 30 years old, um, and, and Paul was right around 70. So again, a, a relative term. We see that it says, let no one despise your youth, but he's encouraging him to be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. I like the way that the the King James Version puts it, and the King James Version puts it that we should be an example of the believers. The idea that uh, Timothy was to be the best representation of what a Christian should be. And that was something that I purposed this year, right? To do my best, to do everything unto excellence. My first year of ministry, especially you know, to, to be an example to those that are under me in Lighthouse Ministry, to be an example to the youth on Friday nights, to be an example with just about anyone that I would come into contact with. That even though I, I'm, I'm young, relatively speaking, to maybe some of you, that I would be able to be an example. And I love the way that the King James Version puts that, to be an example of the believers. And something that we here tonight can hold on to, Right? We call ourselves a Christian, that we would be an example of the believers, that we would be an example when people think of what a Christian's like, oh man, Sam, Sam is a believer. He is, he's someone that loves the Lord. Joey is someone that, that loves the Lord, that, that really represents Jesus well. Insert your name there. And what should, be, what should we be an example to, right? So this year, when I would, you know, catch myself wavering to the left or to the right, right, None of us are perfect, myself included. I would, I would go back to this portion of scripture. It says to be an example in word, right? In, in what I say, in conduct, in, in what I do, in love, the way that I love others, the way that I love those that have been placed under me in ministry, alongside of me, in love. In my spirit or my attitude, the idea of my demeanor, does it say that I'm a believer? Does it say that I love Jesus? In faith, the sense of my faithfulness towards what God has called me towards, and in purity. You see, too many called men have been disqualified because they give into temptation. 
So really, really making sure that I don't fall into any temptation, making sure that I'm not allowing myself to have any stumbling blocks before me. If something, you know, could potentially be a stumbling block, just cutting it off before it gets to that point. And this portion of scripture, I would always go back to it this year. And I I truly believe that it's going to be a portion of scripture that I continue to go back to. To be an example, to do things onto excellence, to be a good representation of what a believer is. It says in reading, in exhortation, and in doctrine, each of these things is centered around what? God's word. So spending time in, in God's word, ma- making sure that, uh, that you know, I, I put more, more emphasis on reading, more emphasis on getting to know him, right? The entirety of God's word. And, you know, a funny story, as uh, I, I begin to close up in the next couple of minutes, I've, I've been playing a, a silly game, really, fantasy football for a really long time, right? I've been playing since I was 13, so going on 17 years. And um, this year I was in six leagues. So I really, I really enjoy it. I'm really involved in it. I'm very competitive. I spend a lot of time on it. And the Lord kind of convicted me on it. You're spending too much time on this, right? And it's something that has almost been a part of, of my life for, for as long as I can remember. But God's called me to cut that away, right? And this is going to be the last year that I play fantasy football. And um, it, it just, yeah, praise the Lord, right? The Lord's good. <laughs> my wife's probably clapping at home. She's with, a, with my little one sick. Um, but, but the idea is that the Lord's called me to more. And like we read there, he's called me to give myself entirely to him and to the ministry. And if something silly like a game like fantasy football is getting in the way of me reading God's word, or if I'm spending, you know, a Thursday night watching a football game between, you know, two irrelevant teams that I don't care about just because I want to get some stats, right, and I'm not spending time in God's word, there's a problem there. So give myself entirely to him. It says there, do not neglect the gift that is in you. The, the idea that each and every one of us, we have a gift, right? We have a gift that the Lord has given us. And are we using that for his glory? Are we using that for eternity? Or are we wasting it? And for me personally, it was a clear calling that I had to come on board in, into full-time ministry. And that if I didn't do that up to right now, I knew that the Lord had called me to the public school system. And I had been there faithfully for seven years. But he transitioned me out of it. And if I wouldn't have taken those steps of faith, I would have been neglecting that gift that he's given me. It says to meditate on these things. Again, the importance of meditating upon God's word. And it says to give yourself entirely to them. So guys, give yourself entirely to the Lord this year. I encourage you, maybe go back to this portion of scripture. See what it would mean to you. And know that, that God has called us to so much more, right? We take uh, so much pleasure in, in silly things that the world offers us, and we forget about what's important. We forget about God's word. We forget about spending time with him. And my encouragement to you as we pray and I call Pastor Zach up, is to spend more time with Jesus. And if this year he's called you to do something that seems oh so radical, man, do it for him. Because Jesus, he did something radical for you. He died upon the cross to give you hope 
when we had no home. So let's pray, and then Pastor Zach, if he could come on up to close this up, that would be great. Lord, we, we thank you, Father, for all that you've done in and through us this year. Uh, God, we pray that you would, uh, God, continue to show us the things that we should do, that we may walk in them to glorify you and to honor you, Father. Lord, we love you. We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. <clears throat> I think I heard a couple wives trying to clap in front of their uh, husbands' faces during the fantasy football <laughs> talk. First uh, Samuel chapter 13. Verse 8 says, Then he waited seven days according to the set time by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would just work within us, Lord, just that uh, your heart, Lord, your word would uh, go forth, Lord. Help me to, uh, Lord, rightly represent you, Lord, and uh, just a couple things you've shown me this year, Lord. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God seeking a man. After his own heart. Uh, this scripture really started popping up to me the most, not because I read it in my devos, although I came across it in my devotionals, uh, but I came across a musical. And listening to this musical, one of the songs all about the life of David. I don't really like musicals. You can ask my wife, right? I joke about it. I joke about Broadway and the corniness of it. Like, let's sit back here and think of a bunch of people started singing in public, how weird we'd all feel, right? How all freaked out we'd all be. However, listening to this uh, musical, this production, and then my daughter, who's five years old, six years old, she's six now, constantly praying, Lord, I want to be a girl after your own heart. It's just continued to ring uh, within my mind and my heart over and over and over again. And being a pastor, even as George 
mentioned, there are many gifted men who have fallen, many men that have led people to the Lord, many men that had thousands of people uh, attending the church, men that God used, and yet they fell. What in earth happened to them? And even within this past month, we were at a family gathering for someone's birthday, and we were there with some other believers at other churches, and they're saying, yeah, because, you know, everybody knows Miami is where pastors come to retire or be retired. I was like, I've never heard that saying before, right? That's the first time I've heard that one. That either pastors in Miami, they come here to sort of retire. I get to take in the, the beach and the no taxes, right, and the palm trees. Or the ministry, in a sense, slays them. They fall into sin. They fall into drugs. They fall over the money, the glory, or other problems. And that's always something that's in the back of my mind. How can we have longevity, not only in ministry, but in marriage, in my walk as a believer, as a father, as a husband, as a friend, how can I have longevity? And I think the answer here really lies in the difficulty that Saul had, that his heart was not after God's own heart. You see, for so many years, I would hear that saying and just think, David was just this man magically made after God's own heart. Right? In my mind, it pictured sort of a stamp, a print, and David was just sort of created upon birth as a man just after in the same way and in the same likeness of God. But to continue to chew in that scripture, it's not just that a man was made or created like God's own heart, but as a man is after, as in a man that is desiring God's own heart within his life. And I can really come to every fork in the road in my life and ask myself, Zach, are you a man after God's own heart in this? Or whose heart are you after? People look at you and whose heart do they believe that you're chasing after, that you're hungering after, that you're trying to replicate? And again, David's heart was after God in the simplicity and in the secrecy of life. He's all alone out there in the fields. Probably his family doesn't care that much about him, and that's why they leave him out there. And yet he's willing to defend his father's sheep from the bear and from the lion, right? He's all alone. He's left there out in the fields by himself, and yet he's still defending his father's flock. We know that each of us, our true, who we truly are, it's in the quietness and in the secrecy. That's who you truly are. It's not the person that comes to church. It's not the person that's there with your boyfriend or girlfriend or with your spouse or while your boss is watching. We are who we truly are when no one is watching and when we have free time. When our minds can wander, when our time can wander, that is who we truly are at heart. And for David, who he truly was in secrecy, in lowliness, while no one was watching, was willing to put his life on the line to defend his father's lambs and sheep, fighting a lion and a bear. And Lord, who am I in secret? Am I truly a man after God's own heart? Or am I a man after my own heart? Right? We think of the differences between Saul and David and their will, right? Where was their will after? David's will was after the will of God. Saul's will was after his own will, his own desires, what he wanted for himself. Zach, what are you after? Are you after the will of God in this situation? Or are you after your own will? What would bring you the most comfort and blessing? 
Thinking of Saul, one of the reasons why he makes this stupid decision in beginning to offer the sacrifice, something that he had no rhyme or reason to begin, was because he was starting to see the people leaving him. He was seeing the people looking at him and leaving him, scattering away from me. And a man that's after God's own will, his fear is not towards man, but his fear is towards God. The man that a man after God's own heart, what he's focused on is, Lord, what brings you honor? Lord, what brings you reverence? Lord, what brings you blessing? Instead of what's going to bring me the most honor? What's going to bring me the most glory? Again, the man after God's own heart is seeking God to be glorified. The man after God's own heart, where is his love? His love is focused on God and then on others. Versus the man not after God's own heart is going to have a lot of love for himself. There's a lot of love for self. And if we're honest, we're all made like that, right? We are created in our flesh, right? To love ourselves. We're really good at it, right? But a man after God's own heart is not seeking his own love or loving himself or taking care of himself. He's seeking after loving God and loving others. A man after God's own heart, I believe, he has a larger view of God than his own problems. David would see Goliath and he says, oh, my, my God is bigger than Goliath, right? David would see all these problems, his own issues, even his own sin. Once he's brought to grips with it, he says, my God is larger than my sin. Psalm 51, right? Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. However, for Saul, his problems were constantly bigger than God. Even his minor problems, right? People singing about David, that he's slain more people than himself. That was a huge problem in Saul's eyes. So much so that it bothered him. He, it bothered him in his heart. Do we view our problems as larger than God himself? Or are we able to sit back because we fear God and we love God and we want the will of God that we say, God, you're far greater than any of my problems. The man after God's own heart, he's seeking to give glory to God and to other people. We see David, we see David, he has the mighty men of valor and they're slaying giants on their own. We see David, he has his own cabinet and government. That's nothing we ever see with Saul, King Saul. We don't see any of his cabinet members mentioned. And we see him bothered any other time someone else gets the glory for the battle. And a man after God's own heart, he doesn't care who gets the credit for the W or the victory or for what happens within the church. He wants to see God glorified and his brothers and sisters edified. David was more than fine sharing the glory with the other mighty men of valor, whereas Saul was bothered when even his own son was being given glory for the victories in battle. Finally, a man after God's own heart, his timer is upon waiting on God versus his own comfort. See, David was fine waiting upon God. God, what do you want me to do in this? What do you want me to do in this? Whereas Saul, his timer would run out the moment he couldn't take it anymore in his comfort. He couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't wait for Samuel. He just had to wait for Samuel about three more hours, right? Three more hours and then he would have been there. The sacrifice, he could have waited. Everything would have been fine. But Saul's patience ran out the moment his comfort got poked a bit too far. Where David, he's running in the caves. He's running through the wilderness, hiding from Saul, waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And just where is my heart? 
Finally, in Acts chapter 13, Paul makes some commentary on David and really gives us more insight into being a man or woman after God's own heart. And there in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, verse 21, it says, And afterward, when they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. 13, verse 22, it says, And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And really that affects every decision, every fork in the road we come to. Whose will am I seeking to accomplish? Am I going to accomplish my will right now or God's will? About to get into an argument with my wife. Whose will am I going to accomplish? My will or God's will? I have to discipline my kids right now. Whose will am I going to accomplish? My frustration or my laziness or the will of God? Someone at work needs something. Someone at church needs something. Whose will am I going to accomplish? Sin comes knocking on my door. Whose will am I going to accomplish? Finally, Jesus, right? If there's ever a man after his own heart, you know, Jesus, he's the third person in the Trinity. He is God himself, and yet fully man when he's here on earth. And in John 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. But again, Jesus, he said, his food, what brought him satisfaction, what brought him enjoyment. I don't know if you ever sit there and you're eating a food, right, and you start dancing, right? It tastes so good, right? Hopefully you had that experience during uh, the holidays, right? What brought him enjoyment, what brought him satisfaction, what gave him energy was to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The thing is, it's the same for every single one of us as believers. So often what we think is going to bring us enjoyment is another hour of Netflix, right? What's going to bring me joy, what's going to refresh me is being lazy for the next two hours. What's going to really bring sustenance to me is going to doing this sin or telling this person off or exploding on this or doing X, Y, Z. And the same is true for all of humanity. The one thing that will bring us satisfaction and enjoyment and joy is to do the will of God. That's what brings us satisfaction. That's what brings us joy. So the verse that has continued to ring in my ear this year is, Lord, I want to be a man after your own heart. Lord, would you do that in me? So hey, if all the worship team can come up, let's all stand. If you need prayer, the pastors will be up front. Hope you have a great new year. Again, reminder to you, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 6 p.m., uh, we'll be gathered here for service. But we'll all stand and we'll close in worship. If you need prayer, there'll be pastors up front. And Lord, we pray, Lord, may you do that work within us, Lord.
Thank you so much for the different uh, men, Lord, that are just a part of the church, Lord, all of the hard work. Think of right now the people watching the kiddos, God, the guys in the parking lot watching the cars, Lord, uh, the safety team, the ushers, sound and video, Lord, uh, the people making sure the stream's working, God. We thank you for the church body here, a part of Calvary Chapel, Miami. We pray for those who are sick and at home tonight, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for this body that we get to be a part of, Lord. And Lord, I pray that each of us would just be, Lord, desiring to grow in you, Lord. Not desiring to be more comfortable, not desiring more money or more luxury, God, or more nice things, Lord. May each of us truly be desiring to be holy as you are holy, Lord. May each of us truly be desiring to be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, Lord. May we be desiring to abide in you, Lord. May we be desiring for you to abide and make your abode in us, God. Lord, may we just have truly spiritual desires, God. May we not be those carnal men and women mentioned in Scripture, Lord, but may we truly be sons and daughters of the light who want to be in the light as you are in the light, Lord and having no darkness in us at all, Lord. We thank you for this year, Lord. Thank you for getting us through it, Lord, getting through the ups and the downs, Lord, the, the colds, the fevers, Lord, the bills, the car accidents, the difficulties, Lord. We thank you for getting us through this year, Lord. And God, I just pray, Lord, if we know we need to adjust certain things, Lord, if you've convicted us or perhaps you've poked at a couple of our idols tonight, God, Lord, help us not to wait till the magic January 1st, Lord, but may we begin tonight, Lord. May we get right with you tonight. May we confess our, our sins, our trespasses before you and whoever we've sinned against, God. And may we be men and women after your own heart, God. So, Lord, we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.